So if you have your Bible this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. If you're taking notes, the title of today's message is simply covered. If you're there, say, oh yeah. If you need a second, say, oh no. All right, we're doing good. Good deal. Let's pray one final time. We like to pray clearly. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your word today. Uh, God, as we tell you every week, God, we're such a people, uh, God, that believe it wholeheartedly. God, we believe it from Genesis to Revelation. And, Lord, we just pray today, God, that that word would have complete access to our hearts. Father, thank you for your word coming today and speaking life over us, encouraging us, uh, just giving us fresh hope, fresh vision. Lord, thank you today, God, for just, uh, just a hunger and a passion, God, for your word today. And, uh, Lord, thanks for your anointing. Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you in this house today to come and do what you do best. Thank you for teaching and guiding us and leading us into all truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, to go where we need to go this morning, I need to repeat a few things I repeated last week. So there's going to be certain parts that I'm going to talk about this morning that if you were here last week, you heard it. If you're new here today, hey, you're getting called up. So you're doing really good. Okay. So Genesis chapter one, we're going to read verses one through three. I'm going to read it. Then we're going to kind of go back through it. And I'll be a little uh, teachy here at the beginning, but then we'll kind of level it out. So anyway, so Genesis one, one through three, it says this it says in the beginning, God created. Somebody say created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Somebody say hovering. Over the face of the waters, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So let's walk through this a little bit. It says, in the beginning, God. Now, when it says there, when it says God, most people just think in general that it's talking about God the Father. But that word there for God is actually a very well-known title or, or a, very, uh, a word that's used a lot for God in the Hebrew language. It's actually Elohim. Okay, And that Elohim is a really unique word because it actually means this. And you can probably see the definition. I, I think it may be up there. But it means this it means a plural get that a plural of majesty a plural of majesty and so what it's talking about there the key word is plural meaning it's not singular so when you see the word elohim it's actually not talking uh, in a singular form but it's actually talking about the triune being of god it speaks to the trinity it's talking about god the father god the son and god the holy spirit if you're with me say oh yeah so it's really interesting here that when we look at this, it says in the beginning, God, and once again, it's talking about all three of the, uh, basically the Godhead uh, being in action here. So in the beginning, God, or Elohim, created the heavens and the earth, and it says in verse 2 that the earth, notice it doesn't say heaven, but it says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now what that means there is that the earth was lacking order, that it was in chaos. That's actually what it means in the Hebrew language. And then it says this. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering, or He was sweeping, or He was moving over the face of the waters, and God said, or God commanded, let there be light, and there was light. Are you all with me? All right, so let's sit here for a moment. From a, from a theological standpoint, we see that the Godhead, or once again, the Elohim, is beginning to insert heaven's order. Get that. It literally insert the order of heaven into the lack of order that was here on this earth. Another way to say it is this, is that the Godhead is beginning to bring that which was out of order into order. And we know that uh, simply as this, as the creation process. Okay? So it's really uh, maybe just kind of for... Once again, just knowledge sake, but when we look at this creation process or this bringing things into order, I want us to see today that all three members of the, of the Trinity or the Triumene God or Elohim had a role or had a part to play in that. Okay? So here's the, here's the first part I want you to get today. That the, the Father, uh, basically that He had the vision, He had the plan, He had the blueprint. In other words, creation was birthed out of the Father's heart. Okay? So what happened was, is when the Father, God the Father, decided that it was time to create or He was ready to create, He spoke. Now what do we speak? We speak words, correct? Yes, we speak words. So what did he speak? He spoke the word. Now, who is the word? Jesus is the Word. We know in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So it's talking about Jesus there. So watch this, okay? So the Father speaks, and He speaks the Word. And this is why uh, when we say, uh, see verses like this in the Bible. I'll give you two really quick. John 1, 3. Let's look at this. It says, All things were made through Him. Some of the Word that was spoken. All things that were made through Him and without Him. Somebody say, without Him. 
Nothing was made that was made. Show the next verse in Colossians. It says, for by him, speaking of Jesus, all things. Somebody say all things. So all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions. Do you get that? That the very throne that the Father sits on was created through Jesus. Hope you see that. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Now watch this. Here's what happens. So God the Father, who is the, who is the master of creation, he has the blueprint. He speaks the word. And what happens once he speaks the word, who is Jesus? The Bible says when it said hovering, sweeping and moving, that the Holy Spirit literally took that word. And it actually uses a really unique word. It uses the word incubate. Now, I grew up uh, part-time on a farm. And so, you know, I grew up around a lot of chickens and what they always had they had incubators that they would put eggs in anybody ever seen those things okay so that basically what would happen is is literally when it says that god spoke and he spoke the word that the holy spirit took and incubated or he literally performed or he literally brought to pass the vision that the father had he brought creation in other words he let's say it this way he's the one that brought order are you with me today all right, so watch this. Listen, as, as literally as good as that theological truth is, and, and I kind of said that just, yes, so we can learn, yes, so we can see how the Trinity was from verse 1. It's a, it's a core doctrine that we believe. But I also want you to see that if we stop there, that we have the ability to completely miss, completely miss the Father heart of God, or that literally we'll say it this way, God's heart and God's motive in the creation process. Am I speaking today in a confusing way? Hopefully not. All right, listen, this is why it's so important. I ask you to, to kind of say two words. This is why it's really important for us to understand the two words that we said earlier, created and hovering. We talked about them last week, and I want to repeat a few things. But I want us to do this so we can, get the, so we can literally have a greater understanding of the Father heart of God. So let me show you, uh, once again, those two words. Remember that the, the first word created means this. It means to bring into existence or to birth. So when God created or when God birthed, and then this, the second word there, hovered or hovering, depends on your translation, actually means to be moved with the feeling of tender love. That last part's part I want you to give, that God was moved by tender love. Now, once again, when we put these two words together, created and hovering, we see that God literally birthed this world into existence by tender love. And, and kind of the reason that's important to me is this, is I think sometimes people just kind of act like God was just, like he's just this big guy in the sky and he's got this stick and he just got bored one day and kind of invented something. And it wasn't from that. Once again, God is so personal. It came from an intimate place in his heart. It came from a position of love. So once again, we can say it this way, and we said it last week. Uh, when we look at how God created, God literally fathered. That's the key word I want you to get today. They literally fathered this world into existence. And once again, that his heart and his motive behind the creation process, or we can say that the emotion that compelled him to create was one of love. So let's take this one step further, like we did last week. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God, or then Elohim, it's the same word. It says, Then Elohim said, Let us. That's why it has the word us there, because it's talking about, once again, all three of them. Let us make man or mankind in our image according to our likeness. Now, remember, uh, we said this, that the same word that's used there for the word make is the same Hebrew word that's used in verse 1 for created. And so, once again, it means to, to bring into existence or to birth, or we'll say to father. And so this verse here in Genesis 1.26 uh, could actually read, then God said, let us father man or mankind into existence. Amen. So once again, the same way that God created this world from a position of tender love, he created each one of us from a position of love. They literally fathered every one of us into existence. Am I making sense today at all? Amen. All right. Now, that's kind of a recap. Now, let me just say this real fast. I want you to get today that literally what compelled God to create you was love. That's what compelled him to create you. Especially, I think this is really important to understand that if that compelled him from the beginning, he hasn't changed his mind about you. He still loves you. Amen? Amen? Even in our mess, even in our mistakes, in our shortcomings, our failures, he still really, really, really loves us. All right? That's good to know. Amen? So, listen, here's kind of the question that I want to get to. It's kind of why I said all that. If we were created from the Father heart of God, wouldn't that also mean that we were created to be fathered? If we were created from the Father heart of God, shouldn't that mean that we were also created to be fathered? 
Now, let me kind of hit the pause button here and get a little bit more personal. Because um, I don't know about you, but listen, when I was a young Christian, if somebody would have walked to me and said, Hey, Quentin, I want you to know that you were created to be fathered. Immediately, negative thoughts would flood in my mind because of what my experience told me a father was. All right. So watch this. I'm not going to sit here today and and pretend and, uh, you know, be foolish enough to think that that I grew up with the worst, uh, you know, uh, father child relationship about anybody in the room. That's not the goal. But what I do want to say is this is my my parents divorced when I was a month old and my mom remarried when I was four. You know, so all throughout my childhood, basically this, that my biological father uh, nor my stepdad really under, ever understood what the role and the responsibility of a father was. In other words, they just didn't get the fact that God had ordained and, uh, and given them rightful privileges as a dad uh, to, to basically hold certain responsibilities. I think most of us can relate to that. Yes? Yes, wave your hand down if you say, yeah, I can relate to that. Awesome. So, listen, in hindsight... I, you know, I honestly, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not upset at my dad, not upset at my stepdad. I'm so good to go, right? Jesus and I have worked through so many things, right? He's helped me. He's healed me in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and through that healing process, though, uh, a lot of grace and mercy has been extended to them. And obviously, when, when you become a dad yourself and you realize how hard it is, things definitely shift. You, you, you know, in other words, when you're walking that road yourself, it's easier to extend grace when you've never been on it. You're just pointing the finger, right? Yes. So listen, though, it, there are certain things that just in, in hindsight, I realized that, man, that these guys, they just didn't know how to father. They just didn't know what their God-given ordained right was and the responsibilities. They just didn't get it. So let me, let me maybe pause and say this uh, for a second. I kept thinking about this thought this week of going, God, what does it mean to be fathered? God, what does it mean? And I came in here on this Thursday, Noah was in the back, and, and I just started praying. I said, I said God, what does it mean? And, uh, man, it was just like down low. And so today I just kind of want to share some of those things with you. And, and listen, today's not uh, a point finger at dad's kind of day. That's not the goal. We're going to get somewhere, and we're going to talk about God being the father. But, but I will say this as your pastor. This list challenges me. And it makes me uh, go, okay, I've got to step up my game in some areas. Because I feel like the Lord revealed some things to me, and I just want to share it with you today. So if you're a dad, I'd really encourage you to take notes, maybe even take inventory. Amen? Amen? All right. So listen, here's what my biological dad and my stepdad, their names are Johnny and Frank. Here's what Johnny and Frank, here's what they didn't understand. Uh, the first one is they didn't know how to lead their children. They didn't know how to lead their children. And what I mean by that is first by their actions and then by their words. A lot of people like to lead by their words and not their actions. Amen. Listen, th- these guys didn't understand that they were called to be the spiritual leaders of their home. They didn't understand that they fulfilled the role of priest, that they fulfilled the role of, of watchman, that they fulfilled the role as the gatekeeper over their house. They just didn't get it. The second thing that they didn't get is they didn't know how to guide their children. And what I mean by that is basically they didn't know how to guide us into a personal relationship with Jesus, number one, because they didn't have one. Right? You can't li- listen to us. We can't ever take anybody somewhere that we've never been ourselves. Amen. So just in their own lack of intimacy with the Lord, they couldn't lead us there. But listen, they didn't even know how to guide us uh, through this life by the wisdom and the knowledge and the discernment that only comes from heaven. That literally they didn't know how to go before the Lord and seek the Lord in their own prayer closet to hear what God was saying. And they come out of that closet and to impart to us not a do and don't do list, but to impart to us the Father's heart. They just didn't know how to do that. You know, even looking back, I just say this that most of the time they led us through their emotions. Depending on what mood they were in, depending on what was going on with life. And these guys were on a roller coaster ride from themselves or for themselves, okay? And maybe if you can kind of get one little thought in this spot, you can't really lead people when you're in an unstable place yourself. Okay? We don't lead from instability. You can't do that, okay? Or guide somebody. The third thing they didn't understand is they didn't know how to protect their children. Not only physically, but they didn't know how to protect us spiritually. They, they literally didn't know how to withstand the lies and the temptations of the enemy for themselves, much less for us. Listen, they didn't know how to expose the lies and come back and reinforce the truth. They didn't know how to protect our purity and our innocence. Instead, they just kind of left us exposed and vulnerable to the enemy's schemes. You know, even in this, and you know, I won't say what was said because I don't want to offend anybody, but just even in the brief conversations in the, in the matters of purity, they didn't get it. At all. There was no protection in that mindset of going, hey, we're going to protect your innocence and your purity. The fourth thing that they didn't understand is they didn't know how to provide for their children. Now, 
I'm not talking about food. I'm not talking about, you know, food on the table, roof over the house. That's part of it, but it's really not all of what, what that consists of. What I'm talking about here is these guys didn't know how to provide us with their physical and their mental presence. Now, I think we all understand that there's a difference between being in the room and being in the room. Yes? So, listen, I'm talking about these guys didn't know how to provide us with the gift of engagement. They didn't know how to engage in our world. They, they didn't really know how to give us the best of them to ensure that somehow that we had a healthy, family-oriented atmosphere where we as children could grow, where we could learn what was really important in life, where we could learn a culture of honor, and so we could be developed into what God called us to be. Am I slinging too much at you here? So the fifth thing that these guys didn't know how to do is they didn't know how to teach their children, meaning this, that they didn't know how to literally partner with the Holy Spirit and shaping and molding our character. They didn't know how to teach us how to literally treat people. We treated people like they treated people, and it wasn't good. Listen, they didn't teach us how to treat our future spouses because they didn't treat theirs good. Listen, they didn't teach us how to view ourselves, right? In other words, there's a spot as dads that part of our responsibility is to help our children overcome the lies, and the lies of the enemy and help them overcome insecurities. Amen? It's a great place to say amen. Listen, they didn't understand that the best way, fellas, please hear this. They didn't understand that the best way to teach us, maybe to give us an example, or maybe give us a template uh, of what it meant to walk with God. Let me back up and say this. They didn't understand that their worship, that their hunger for God's word, that their passion for him would have been the best teacher, the best example, the best template for us to follow. Right? So what I did is when we got drugged to church, I just mimicked my dad. Well, that didn't get us anywhere. It's truth. Sixth thing that they didn't teach us was this, or they didn't get, was they didn't know how to bless their children. They didn't understand that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Listen, these guys didn't understand that they, once again, had a God-given ability and a God-given right to bless, to speak into, and to call out our identities and our destinies. Instead, what they did is they pointed out our weaknesses and forgot to remind us of our strengths. Yes? Let me make pause here and say this. There's a couple in North Carolina that, man, that Jen and I love dearly. And the husband of that family, he is from Boston. No, I'm sorry, from Massachusetts. And uh, not Boston. He's from Massachusetts. And uh, this guy is, is a godly man. And they got two kids. And their kids are both, like, extremely successful in life. Their, their wife, I mean, their daughter works at, uh, I may say it wrong, uh, John Hopkins. Hopkins in the university. She's in the medical world. Uh, their other son's got his MBA, and he's, anyways, doing his deal in the banking world. But, but here's what's so amazing about both of those kids is they love Jesus. And there was something that really uh, happened. I, I was talking to Paul. That's Paul and Carol. And I was talking to Paul one day at our house. I said, I said, Paul, what did you guys do to help your kids get there? And I, don't, I didn't mean money-wise successful, I mean like health-wise, in a spiritually healthy place, how did you get them there? And one of the things that Paul mentioned was talking about how uh, he knew that it was his God-given right to speak into the lives of his kids, to literally call out their identity and call out their destinies, that he understood the authority that he had there in the kingdom. And so what happened was is he always paid attention to what his kids felt a nudge toward, literally by the leading of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you an example. His son is a four-time national skeet shooter uh, winner. Okay, four times. In other words, every year in college, he won the whole thing. All right? When his son, a young man, his name's John, when, when John was a young man and he showed some interest in shooting, Paul ran down to Walmart by a little cheap gun, and they went all in. He literally went all in. And then, obviously, they moved up and, you know, and got better rifles and all, and all that, or better shotguns and all that stuff. But, literally, he engaged himself in the world that his kid loved, and he helped foster that because he saw the anointing and the gift of God on his life to do that. Am I making sense to you guys? You know, maybe let me say this. I wasn't planning on saying any of this, but... You know, I remember as a being a youth pastor, having a kid uh, that came in my uh, came in my office one day, struggling. And he, sorry, we met in the youth room. Came there, and he was just struggling and struggling with his stepdad. His dad was nowhere in the picture. And this kid loved soccer, and his stepdad loved football. Right, we're in the south. He loved football, and basically he would try to make his stepson watch that world with him, and he never engaged in his world. Listen, as he grew up, because he didn't have that development happening with his dad, guess what? That boy grew up and really, really battles homosexuality now. 
And I'm telling you, as because I walked that road with so many people, I can I can drive that train right back to that spot where he didn't engage. Are y'all following me? And so he found people who would engage, just in wrong ways. Amen. So listen, the the last thing that they didn't understand here is they didn't know, and it kind of goes with what I just said, but they didn't know how to support their children. Meaning this, that my dad and stepdad, they didn't know how to be in our corners. They didn't know how to cheer us on. They didn't know how to tell us, hey, look, you're doing a good job or we're proud of you. I was well in my 20s before any, any either one of them ever said, hey, we're proud of you. Listen, no one of them ever said, hey, dude, you got what it takes to be something and, and somebody of value in this world. They didn't even know what our dreams and our passions were, much less to support them. You with me? They were that disengaged doing their own thing. All right, so watch this. This is all that have a pity party today. I just want to bring some things to attention. So here's kind of the point, and here's what I want you to grab a hold of today. All of their shortcomings in all of those seven areas could really be boiled down to one thought, is neither one of them knew how to cover their children. Somebody say the word cover. They didn't know how to cover their children. Here's what the word cover means. And, you know, guys and gals, everybody in this room, grab a hold of this, because we all have responsibilities in the kingdom with this. But it means this. It means to place something on, over, or in front of as a shield to protect. To keep from harm or injury. To clothe, to hide. To include. Please don't miss that one. To include and provide for. And lastly, it's to incubate. That incubate, once again, speaks to our development our growth. So cover means to place something on, over, or in front of as a shield to protect, to keep from harm or injury, to clothe, to hide, to include, and provide for, and to incubate. So let me maybe say this uh, real quick, and we'll move on. Because once again, the, I, like I told you, this isn't a let's gun, gun dad's day, right? <laughs> but listen, fellas, it doesn't matter how old your kids are, you still have that responsibility. Amen? Amen? And let me maybe sling some hope for you here. If your kids are out of the house and you go, man, I blew it and missed it, then too late. They're still alive. Amen. You're still alive. Go get it. Amen. All right. So, uh, all right. Let me think here for a second because I'm going to need some help. Brian, can you help me, please? Do you mind? Pastor Brian, come on up. Austin, come up. Man, Tony, Tony, you help me. You're a big dude. You work out. Come on. I need your help. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Watch this. If you could just pull that umbrella right there out of that, that thing, it'll be good. The big one. Thanks for being patient. <laughs> I'm going to show you what they didn't understand. I want to give you kind of maybe a visual picture, and then we're going to take off talking about God. All right? Can you guys stand maybe over here? Also, come over there. Stand on the left side of your dad. Go ahead and kick that thing open and, and watch the above things, please. All right. Awesome. You were... All right, you're good. All right, Jen, can you flip that up? This is awesome. So this was like a, uh, I think my father-in-law bought this for Jen, and we live nowhere near like a real beach. So I'm thinking, uh, awesome. In my mind, I didn't think it was going to take this long. Okay, so how many people? (laughs) You guys are awesome. Tony, you're doing good. Great. Great. Awesome. Watch this. Listen, what happened was is my, my dad and my stepdad, they didn't realize that in uh, basically 1 Corinthians 11 that it tells us that as men that literally we were created, Brian, can you step over there, that we were created to be covered by God's glory. Do you get that? That we were created to be covered, once again, because go back to that definition of cover. Let me help some people out. You don't turn around. Here we go. To, to place something on or in front of as of a shield to protect. So watch this. They didn't understand that, once again, that they were created to be covered by God's glory. And in return, that we are covered. Sorry, I have a little girl. Okay. <laughs> Put over here. Aren't you cute? All right, here we go. Listen. Listen, so let me start over here again, okay? So they didn't know that in 1 Corinthians 11, it tells us that as men, we were created to be covered by God's glory and in return that we are to cover after heaven's pattern our wives and children. Are you all following me? That this is really... Man, look. You're married with four... This dude married with four children. He didn't straighten up. All right, here. Yeah, all right. So are, are you guys getting the picture here? 
Yes? No? Talk to me. So listen, now, now over the years I've come to realize basically that for the most part that my dad and my stepdad, step out, put the umbrella down, step out. Oh, this is going so slow. All right, here we go. It's on me. All right. So for the most part, listen, my dad and stepdad grew up without a covering themselves. And basically, therefore, they really didn't know how to cover or how to father us. And if I can maybe put it in a certain way, but th- this pattern, you know, if, if I could almost have, a, you know, a grandpa here and a great-grandpa and a great-great-grandpa here, basically the, the pattern was repeating itself in my family. Are you all following me here? So listen, kind of put this in your pocket here, that chaos always breeds chaos. Always. That a lack of covering always produces a lack of covering. So if all we know is chaos or an uncovering, then how will we ever be able to bring something or to bring our families, to bring our own lives literally into order? Are you with me today? Listen, that's what kept happening to my family. It was a repeating of chaos generation after generation after generation. So when we go back to this idea of, you know, we were created from the Father heart of God, right? which would also mean that we were created to be fathered by God or we were created to be covered. Listen, ultimately my experience with my dad and my stepdad, when that thought came to me, that question, okay, you were created to be fathered, ultimately that came my way after my experience. Basically what happened was, is let me slow down, my experience really damaged and altered my perceptions of what the true father desired to be and desired to accomplish in my own life. Am I saying it clear enough? So basically, after my encounter with my dad and my stepdad, which kind of uses it for example, after my encounter with them, it damaged and altered so much my perception of what a real dad was that when somebody came along and said, God's your father, your heavenly father, that I didn't have a clue what God really wanted to be for me. I didn't really have a clue of, who he, uh, of what he desired to accomplish in my life, what he wanted to accomplish on my behalf. Are you with me today? So, listen, it's kind of this, is that when I, I didn't understand that when I said yes to Jesus, I didn't understand that God was inviting me to live from here. I didn't understand the position, right? That, that listen, that I, I knew God wanted to save me, but I never realized that he wanted to cover me and he wanted to father me. And let me give you a key word here, that he wanted to do it, not just once, but he wanted to continuously do it. See, God didn't just create us from a position of tender love and from a father's heart. He didn't father us into existence just to kind of leave us out there and say, okay, I hope you figure it out. You, you with me? He said, look, it's a continual thing. And, and maybe, and I don't know if I'll go there next week or not, but I really wish I could go into Genesis chapter 3. This is why the garden was created, because it was created to be a place where, uh, where he could literally incubate Adam and Eve for their growth and their development and their walk with him. He provided an atmosphere so he could father them. Let me go ahead and say this, just for fun, if I don't go there next week. If you notice that when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they disobeyed against God, what happened? They realized that they were naked. And the Bible says that they produced for themselves a covering. The word produce, there's the same word that was in Genesis 1 for God created. Same word in, in Genesis 1.26, let us make. It's the same thing. They try to make a false covering because they were designed to live from here. But because they stepped out of that in disobedience from God, they try to create themselves one. And how many of you guys know we were never created to live under false coverings? Amen? Listen, it wasn't until uh, I personally uh, stopped comparing the perfect one, talking about father, until I quit comparing him to my stepdad, to my dad. It wasn't until I stopped that that I really began to understand what God was really like and who God really was. It wasn't until then I started to get the proper perspective of him. And it's kind of like almost this thought to maybe throw at you, okay? Because there's not a one of us in this room that say, you know, okay, I got a dad and there were some good qualities and he had some bad qualities, right? In other words, most guys fall in that category. To kind of help our thinking, I was talking to one of my really good friends the other day, and he said what helped him with that process, he finally realized that the good that was in his dad was from God. And the bad that was there, he picked it up from the father of this world. Right? And so that kind of helps us go, okay, that's who he is. There's not a perfect dad, but there's a perfect heavenly father. And when we begin to understand kind of who he is, it changes things, right? So watch this. Austin, you can go. You're good. Sorry. I don't know, maybe I'm getting even for something. I don't know. I'm kidding. We've known each other long enough. Sure, there's something there. Anyways, whatever. Um, All right, so watch this. So when my perspective changed, I began to see that from the position of God's covering, we're going to go back through this, that he literally leads his children. 
that he doesn't drive them, he leads them. Okay, and what I mean by that is he gently takes us by the hand and he leads us on this journey called life, that he himself is our high priest, that he himself is our watchman, that he himself is our gatekeeper. Are you with me today? That's why it's so important to walk with him because God will shield you from so many things if you just walk with him. Amen? If you just spend time with him. The second thing is from under the position of God's covering, God guides his children. He guides us by His voice. He guides us by His Word. That's why it's really important that we really get a strong foundation in the Word. Uh, listen, He guides us by heaven's perspective. He guides us by and imparts when we're in the Word, when we're in prayer, when we're in worship. He imparts His wisdom, His knowledge, His discernment in our lives. Literally, that he, he, you got to understand from here, He longs to guide us into deeper levels of His heart. That He desires to guide us into uh, literally greater levels of intimacy with Him. Amen? When we live from that position. The third thing that happens when we're under God's covering is he protects his children, not only physically, but spiritually. He literally protects us from the lies and the temptations of the enemy, that he exposes the lies, right, of the enemy, and he reinforces the truth. Remember part of the Holy Spirit's job was the Bible said, Jesus said, I must go so the Holy Spirit will come, and he will what? He will guide you into all truth. Yes, part of that guiding us into all truth means that he exposes the lies, Yes, that's why when you walk with him and you know him and something begins to happen, something goes uh, in your gut and you go, mm-mm. That's, that's the Holy Ghost revealing something to you. You need to pay attention to that. You don't need to just say, well, I ate pizza last night, had onions on, and I got gas. Right? It's some God saying something. You need to pay attention to that. And so what happens is, is that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's how he kind of guides us and protects us in this life. And once again, the Holy Spirit... Got to understand this. Let me even say this to you because we all put ourselves in positions that uh, even at the age we are, that we still have to guard our purity and we have to guard our innocence. And I'm not just talking about sexually. I'm even talking about our motives and everything, okay? Purity goes so much deeper than sexuality, okay? But, but listen, part of why the Holy Spirit says, hey, come live with me under the covering so I can protect you is because of that verse that's in Matthew chapter 5 where it says, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. God wants to keep our hearts pure so we can walk with Him. Amen? Listen, another thing that happens when we're under uh, God's covering is He provides for His children. Not only has He given us covenant, not only has He given us many promises that meet, once again, our physical, our mental, our emotional, our spiritual needs, but He also provides us with Himself. Okay, get that. Once again, it's the gift of engagement. There, there's this verse, remember, that, that God spoke to Abraham and he said what? He said, Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. Do you understand that that promise has been echoing through the generations for us that are of the seed of Abraham? That God still desires to be our exceedingly great reward. And where does that happen? It happens of the covering where he gives us himself. Listen, that God is fully engaged with us by his presence. That he is engaged with us in father-son, father-daughter relationships. That God is always, always, always giving us his best. Amen? The fifth thing that happens under the covering is God teaches his children. This is where God shapes us. He molds us into the image of his son. And, and let, me, I, let me stop because this keeps coming up in my heart. Part of it you've got to understand that, that in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says that he disciplines those he loves. Yes? So, so please don't think in your mind that everything's always going to be, yay! Woo! Cotton candy, God loves me. It's, it, it isn't always a big hug. Okay? It isn't always a big hug fest. There's times where God, you're struggling. <laughs> There's literally times where God says, hey, stop doing that. Are you with me? L- listen, ha- wave, wave your hand if you got kids. I should know already. I ask you all the time, right? L- listen, I got, I got kids, and uh, this morning, here I'll give you an example. This morning I got Jude not wanting to put his shirt on because it's short sleeve. He wants to wear a long sleeve. We act the same way to God, right, in petty ways, yes? So he's laying in the floor. He's got sleeve in, sleeve in, and it's up to here, right? I mean, it's like, and he's laying on the ground. What do I pop him on the butt, right? What, what do you do? Put the shirt on. Sometimes God has to get our attention by disciplining us because he loves us. Amen. But that happens only under the covering. Listen, the Bible says that if you're not disciplined, you're a bastard. Right? Right? That you're an illegitimate child. So if we're going to be sons, if we're going to be daughters of the Father, then expect it. It's coming. Amen. 
So listen, that, so it's in this place of the covering that he teaches us his character. Literally, once again, he's molding us into the image of Jesus. And he's teaching us his ways, his heart. He's teaching us how to honor him. He's teaching us how to honor others. And he's even teaching us how to honor ourselves. That all comes from the covering. And the sixth thing, watch this. Hopefully I'm not boring you today. The sixth thing that happens under this covering is God blesses his children. Thank God for that, yes? Listen, God is the giver and the sustainer of life. Do you understand that God never speaks anything opposite of life? God never comes to you and speaks death. He always, always, always releases life over you. To understand that God is committed to blessing us, that He is constantly speaking into and calling out our identity and our destinies. Watch this so I can wake us up, okay? You hanging in there okay? <laughs> Get a little heavy? Hey, man, you're playing the role of the Father. You've got to hold it, right? Notice I surveyed the crowd and looked for somebody to have muscles, right? You can help him out? Man, get that, get that brother. <laughs> That's awesome. You, all right? you, you need a little help? Right. You mean to quit talking, right? If you're talking to you and start talking to them? All right. So watch this, okay? Let me show you something really quick, how the Father is always speaking uh, into your destiny, calling out your identity. A few weeks ago, Jen and I went to uh, Fort Fairfield, way up north by the old Canada border, right? And went to church. And I'm just going to church. There's a pastor there or a minister that's preaching. I wanted to hear him, okay? And he does this. He shares a little bit with the church, and he shares a little bit about the pastor. And then he goes, I need Quentin and Jennifer Self to come up front. My heart went, Ooh. You know, Jesus, what's about to happen, right? Anyway, so he calls two, comp- uh, two other couples. And this guy, watch this, he begins to uh, prophesy over us for seven and a half minutes. And I'm sitting there. No, I mean, I'm, you know, it's kind of one of those seven and a half minutes got done. I'm going back to my seat. I'm like, don't look at me because I'm a mess right now. The dude was so spot on. But what was happening was God, through that man, was reminding me of my identity and my calling. And he followed me. He was calling it out. Then watch this. Fast forward to uh, whatever, two, two Mondays ago. Uh, Pastor Tommy preached, right? And, and so the next day, we go get breakfast down at Mariner's down, downtown. Thanks to Robbie. Robbie introduced me to the place. And, and so I took him. So we're going there to eat. And on our way, we're walking uh, kind of from the Camden Library, but on the, the big knoll, the big hill. Okay? Now, here's the way, the way God is so cool to me is... Remember Pastor Tommy talked about being on that ship and, you know, the guy to get rescued and all that. And he said that he was walking there and he sat down on the bench and God downloaded him. He preached for an hour. I mean, I mean preached for a, a year off of what God spoke to him at that spot. Watch this. We are walking. His phone rings. It's this prophetic buddy from, uh, I don't know, I think he's from Missouri or something like that. I've never met the guy. I don't know the guy. Heard his name. The same spot that God downloaded all that other stuff with him ten years earlier uh, we sit down on the bench, and he goes, Tommy, I had a vision about you this morning. And here's what God said. Dun, 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 dun. Now watch this. Um, he goes, Pastor Tommy then goes, hey, I got Quentin with me. The guy doesn't know me. Uh, do you mind praying for him? He says, sure, just give me a second. He gets quiet, about 20 seconds. He goes, okay. So literally, I think he was driving to Arkansas. So he's, the guy's driving, right? Whatever. He might pull us out of the road. He goes, here's what I see. Boom, boom, boom. And then he goes, okay, let me expound on it. And God began to speak to my identity and my destiny. And there was things that I personally, that only me and the Father have talked about, that I've been curious about and wondering, and he began to respond to every one of those things. Look, I don't know me, but God knows me. Amen? So listen, there's this idea that, listen, when God wants to speak to you, he knows where to find you. I mean, he knows where you're at. And what happened is, once again, God used these two prophetic guys that I don't, I don't know who in the world they are, but to, but to speak, first one to me and Jen both, and the second one just to me and was spot on the money uh, of stuff that I needed to personally hear uh, of things that I was uh, struggling with when it comes to identity and destiny. Amen? All right, so watch this. So we're talking about under the covering. You need to help him, help him. But if, if there's a covering, you've got to help God. And I mean, this, what's the world coming to? Anyway, so... <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> you're good. We're almost done. I'll hurry up. I'll quit playing with you. All right, here we go. So... Listen, so we're talking about God blessing his children. I want you to remember this verse. You might not be able to see it because of the covering there, but, but Mark 10, 13 through 16 says this. It says, one day, 
Uh, New Living Translation, Mark 10, 13-16, says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. And when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with the disciples. Why? Because they didn't understand his heart. And then it says, And he said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. In other words, let me be so bold that the people who don't want to be fathered don't enter in. Those who don't want to be under the covering, they don't enter in. And then he says this in verse 16. Here's the key part because we're talking about God blessing. It says, Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Now, here's what's so amazing about that to me. Watch this. Don't miss the point. That in several instances or several occasions, what happened was is, is, uh, is, gonna get, <laughs> is listen, in several occasions, Remember what Jesus said, everybody looking here, I know they're pretty, but listen, Jesus said this. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing. So why did Jesus take the little children, place his hand on their head and bless them? It's because that's what he saw his Heavenly Father doing all the time. See, God loves blessing his kids. Amen? Amen? Number seven, and we're going to let these guys surrender here, okay? But number seven, what happens under the covering, y'all listen up, what happens under the covering is God supports his children. In other words, guys, we've got to stop thinking that God's not in our corner. God's in our corner. Yes? That He is cheering us on. He wants to see us succeed. That He wants to see us succeed more than we want to succeed. Amen? Listen, that, that, he, sees us, that he sees us living from a position of victory. What's the position that He provided for us? He didn't provide us a position of defeat. And failure. He provides the position of victory. Remember what the Bible says. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So watch this. So understand that under this covering, God's our biggest supporter. Especially when it comes to our dreams and our passions. Why? Because He's the one that put them there in the first place. Amen? God's not going to come and deposit something in your heart and then say, well, I hope you fail at it. He's going to come along and say, come on, I'm going to help you. We're going to get there. We're going to accomplish this. this, Why? Because I'm choosing to partner with you in the kingdom. Let me kind of give you something to help you out, okay? I'm having fun. Hope you are. All right? Is in Acts chapter 10, when Peter's praying, right, and the the big veil comes down with animals all on it, and he says, kill and eat, right? What happens before that? Watch this. Cornelius is sitting there, and the angel of the Lord walks in, and the angel of the Lord begins to speak to him. And he comes all the way to the point, and he finally says this. He says, call for a guy named Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's house. Call for him. And it says what? He goes, he will tell you basically the rest of the story. Right? Is that true? So we know that he goes, he gets Peter, and Peter leads away the gospel while he's talking. The glory falls. They all get baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's a new revolution for the church because the Gentiles got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken tongues. Right? Right? So watch this. Here's what's so amazing about that verse. Do you understand that God had Cornelius' attention? He could have sealed the deal right there. But he chose to partner with Peter. He chose to. So what happens is when God puts a dream, He's choosing to partner with you in that dream to see that thing come to fruition for the kingdom's sake. Amen? That's weak. Amen? You put it down. I'll let you hang there for a minute. Tommy, you did amazing. You guys are awesome. Now they didn't want to let it go. You can let it go. Yeah, you can put it down. Watch. I'll, I'll finish the rest. You're amazing. Y'all give that guy a hand. He did awesome. Tony's thinking, I knew I shouldn't have came here this this morning. <laughs> yeah, just lay it there. I, no, no, no. Just lay it there. Pearl, just lay it there. I got it. Just lay it. I got it. Lay it down. Put it down. Put it down. Good job. <laughs> you did awesome, man. So, so listen, I, and I got to wrap this up, but God desires to cover or father us in every one of those ways, those seven things we just mentioned, and He continuously, continuously wants us to live there. That He wants us to live as people who are covered. Amen? Yes? In other words, that God... Let me say this. If God is so awesome and He wants to do all that, why wouldn't we let Him? Just have a relationship with Him. Amen? So listen, alright, so let's bring this back full circle and we'll try to land this thing. Uh, when, when you and I take a step back, okay... We take a step back, we look at Genesis 1 again, and we take it from a broader perspective. We view it, right? 
What we find out here is how did God insert heaven or what was God's answer of bringing that which was out of order into order? His answer was to father and to cover creation. Are you hearing me today? So how does God, watch this, in the same way that he comes and fixes our chaos, fixes the things out of order in our life, the same answer is true for us. He just wants to cover us. He wants to father us. Amen? (sighs) So listen, it's under this covering, this fathering that we're talking about today. This is where God really gives us access to his presence. This is where we get access to the joy of God. This is where we get access to the peace, the security, the hope, and the love in our lives. Understand that the faithfulness of God literally flows and resides under that covering. Amen? So let me tell you, let me shoot straight and get really practical. That's why we spend time with Jesus. That's what we're talking about relationship today. That's why we read our Bible. That's why we pray. That's why we worship. Because that's how we live and maintain under that covering. We submit to the kingdom. Amen. God's not going to force anybody to be covered. Yes? So listen, I'm convinced that there's probably a large portion of the church that comes. I'm talking about worldwide. There's a large portion of the church that comes, and they live outside of that covering by their own disobedience. And they call it grace. Okay? Yes? They call it grace, and then, but they don't want to get under the covering where holiness and obedience and submission resides. But that's where the blessings of God flow. Amen? And that, listen, the, submission, the glory of God and the covering of God does not flow from position when we pick and choose what we want to believe in the Bible. It comes from when we believe it and we live it. Amen? I don't know why you always say it to me when I'm almost done. Anyway, so... He always says, now you preach. I'm thinking, what have I been doing the last 40 minutes, man? Come on, help me. I just need to start showing, okay, when am I, okay, I going to start preaching? Okay, then I'll just start there. There. <laughs> Go. All right. So, listen, when we are being weighed down by the burdens and pressures of life, because it happens, right? When we're being weighed down by the pressures and the burdens of life, we need to remember we are covered. Amen? That when we worry about our future, because we all do it, we need to remember that we're covered. When we need to worry about our needs being met, we need to remember that we're covered. Because, listen, there's spots. Let me maybe say this. There's moments in our life that God will call us to step out in faith, and it will be a bigger step than we've ever made in our lives, right? And in the natural, it does not, does not, does not make sense. In that moment, if we know we heard from God here, then we've got to keep moving because we know we're covered. He's going to take care of us. There's this thing that I always try to grab a hold of and remember is God funds what he favors. And if we do it God's way, then God's going to favor it, and God will take care of every need. Amen? Make sense? Remember what we say, when you do it God's way, you get God's results. And so that's where the favor flows, all right? So watch this. When we struggle with things like fear and insecurity, we need to remember once again that we're covered. And under that covering is acceptance and love. When we lose sight of our value, we need to remember that we're covered. Nobody ever lost sight of their value, right? Listen, we forget our identity and whose we are and who we belong to. We need to remember that we're covered. And let me even say it this way. Uh, When we try to lead lead our lives in our own way, right, when we decide to get independent from the covering, independent from the Father, we say we got this, because we all do that, right? In other words, there are certain things because it's in our own means to accomplish it. We say, I can do it, and we don't worry about the Father's way. Have you ever thought about this? Maybe not the way he wants to do it, Right? When it's our to say, when we simply say, God, I got this, and it's not calling us to get on our face and say, God, I need you in this, then what happens is, is we are forgetting in that moment that we were created to be covered. Amen? Amen. So, watch this. Let me maybe get personal. We, we all have those things, right? Yes? No, no words. We all worry. We all, we all fight fear. We all fight insecurities. We all, we all, that's life, yes? It's, it's, all, it's all byproducts of the garden, of the fall. Okay, every bit of that. And God's really trying to get us to understand our minds to quit being like Adam and Eve and start walking around acting like we're covered when we're really naked. Right. Quit putting false coverings on our own lives because we're trying to do it our own. And remember, hey, man, he's already provided this for us. In fact, let me just say it this way. Maybe I'll cancel out next week right now. All right. Watch this. Is this is remember what happened in the garden when they fell? The mercy of God went into action and he killed he killed animals and he covered them. Folks, Jesus, right? I believe, I believe it was a lamb. I believe it was a lamb. And here comes God, Jesus, the lamb of God, and died for us. And today as believers, we are covered 
By the blood. Amen. And that blood gives us access once again to the presence of God, gives us access to the promise of God through that covenant, through that blood, right? Through that blood, that covenant was made. Are you all following me today? All right. So let me let me give you a few things just for fun. Can you all give me maybe like five minutes? Awesome. All right. So watch this. Let me give you a few few examples of being covered. And I might have shared these stories with you before, but I'm going to roll out a few just for fun, just so you can see the way God covers this. And these are kind of maybe extreme examples, but they happen and they're real. Okay? So, all right. So the first story I want to tell you this day is this. Y'all okay? Yes? Just give me, listen, you can go eat a hot dog in a minute. Just give me a second. All right? Here we go. So, listen, let me tell you a story. Uh, Jen and I met a missionary years ago. This was, uh, I'm not even sure if we were married yet. And this guy began to tell a story about uh, a group of teenage girls that got saved in their ministry. They're, they're over in Europe. And what happened one day, these girls were walking through a field. I might have told you this before. But they were walking through a field, and there were some guys that were working in the field, saw them, and they, and they told the women, we're going to rape you. The teenage girls. And the teenage girls, obviously, you know, fear hit them. They took off running. And these men are chasing them through this field, trying to get a hold of them. Well, the girls are running, and they're looking back, and they actually fall in this big ditch. And when they fell in the big ditch, what happened is the guys end up catching up when they looked down, and the teenage girls were on fire. They were on fire, okay? In their mind, they said, you know what? You can't rape somebody that's on fire. And so they left the girls alone and walked off. They weren't on fire. It was the glory of God literally covering them and protecting them so, th- so they didn't get no harm or injury. God became their shield at that moment and saved them. Are you with me? Yes? That's an example of being covered. Let me give you another one. You keep hearing me talk about that church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right, with Pastor Scott. A few years ago, I want to say it was... Uh, 2011, I, I, th- I think I think it was April of 2011, they had big tornadoes that kind of came through there. Actually, a tornado came through Tuscaloosa and went really all across the state. It went through Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. And it killed over like 230-something people, okay? And uh, my brother's a fireman. He said, Quentin, we were finding people in trees, finding on top of buildings. I mean, it, I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was, it was awful. That tornado was a mile wide. That's huge. Huge. And I've been there, and you can follow the trail it, it didn't leave the ground it just stayed on it for you know whatever a long time okay and so i think it was 21 minutes that it went anyway so what happened though in there there's a family that went to pastor scott's church in tuscaloosa and when the tornado was coming obviously nobody knew it was coming it freaked them all out he ran he grabbed his four-year-old son and he ran the bathroom and a lot of people do this i don't they, they grab something that's that's kind of movable in some sense so they grabbed a hold of the, of the toilet so the guy is holding the toilet, and he's holding the kid, and the tornado comes in and rips the roof off of the house, and his four-year-old boy is sucked out of his arms. Okay? And so, watch this. This is amazing. So the tornado kind of goes. The father is, you know, in total shock. He's screaming and hollering. And, and he goes, and he walks down the road, and there's debris. And, I mean, everybody coming out of their houses, and everybody's freaked out because, man, the scene just ripped through our, our town. And, uh, and he's hollering for his kid. He's screaming for his kid. And they look up the road, and here comes this four-year-old boy walking back toward him. Okay? And here's what happened. Here's the awesome part of the story, okay? Is when he got to his four-year-old boy, his four-year-old boy said this. said, Dad, I saw a light. And he said, basically, obviously, he landed on the ground, but he landed softly, right? And he goes, and I saw a light, and the light spoke to me and says, if you follow me, I'll lead you to your family. And so he was following the light up the road, and he walked straight to his father. That is God covering that man's children. Why? Because he was calling out for Jesus in the process. Are you with me? He remembered his covering. Amen? Now, let me give you another one. And, and covenant love, obviously, you know, we, uh, down in North Carolina, obviously, we had a lot of uh, military men at our church. And there was one guy, he was in the Army. Obviously, it's an Army base there. I might have told you this before, too, but I felt like I need to say it today. Anyways, he... Uh, Basically, they were about to go out. Their convoy was about to go out uh, beyond the wires, basically out of their FOB, their forward operation base. And before they went out, the guy that went to our church went over, and he began to pray for his vehicle. He began to plead the blood of Jesus over his vehicle. And they all kind of laughed at him. What are you doing? You know, hey, we got to go, blah, blah, blah. He said, hold on, give me a second. Let me pray. He's praying over. Then they load up, and the convoy rolls out. When the convoy is going, they get in this big firefight. And it's like, I mean, they're, they're taking some huge damage, right? They end up kind of making their way back to the, uh, the base. And all the vehicles that look like Swiss cheese, holes blown all in them. They got out. There wasn't one bullet hole in that man's vehicle. 
Are you with me? Because why? Because he understood that we play, pray and we apply the blood, that there's a covering that comes, that I've been covered. Amen? And this whole vehicle, literally, not one bullet, not one scratch. And here's what's so awesome. The next time when they went to go out the, go out the base, the uh, commanding officer said, Hold up! Before we go, so-and-so is going to pray for every vehicle here. And he did. God showed himself. Amen. Let, let me give you let me give you another story. There's a guy that uh, we're pretty close to. Uh, actually, two two young men that we're really close to. Both of them were in Humvees and they had IEDs and it blew up. And I mean, literally, I've seen, I've seen pictures of the Humvees. I mean, there's like hardly anything left in it. Both of them got out without a scratch. Jesus protected them. Why? Because they knew. Even even one guy who's supposed to be here today, he'll be here next week. When the thing hit, he just screamed, "Jesus!" Got out. <laughs> Yep, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Justin? Justin's been there. So watch this, another guy, another guy at our church, uh, he was sitting there by the mess hall, and an RPG, rocket pell grenade, comes flying over the gate, um, coming over the wall, and hits the cafeteria wall right beside where we're sitting. It hit the wall, and it fell. And I all just looked at it. <laughs> it didn't blow up. You know, one thing that we always pray is, God, let their, A, don't let their bullets find their, find their location, and secondly, God, don't, don't let them work. And God answers prayers. I mean, I'm going to tell you, miracles after miracles after miracles. Talk to Justin. He got, he got one for you at the back when you get done, right? So let me give you another one. One of my best friends in the whole world. He was in a vehicle. They were at a checkpoint, and he had his M5. It's him, a CIA guy. He gets so mad at me if he knew I was telling you all this, but whatever. And he ain't here, so he can get on to me later, right? So, so it's him. He's the driver for what he does in the military. And then there was a CIA uh, agent, and then there was an um, interpreter. And they got a checkpoint, and the people there just lost their mind. They're shoving AKs on their face, screaming and hollering, threatening to kill them. And he said, he said Quentin, in that moment, uh, I'm taught basically to, to basically flee and fight as I'm fleeing. In other words, just fight off the enemy. And he said, in that moment, in all this massive chaos, everybody screaming and hollering, a gun like all over my face, and I got my gun sitting right here, and they don't know it's there. He, he said, literally, I heard the Holy Spirit say, basically, just relax. Chill out. Just watch this. And literally, it's like after literally, the Holy Ghost went into action, calmed everything down, and moved on. And he said, Quentin, I'm telling you, that moment I thought I was going to die. But Jesus stepped in. Why? Because this guy, I mean, if I've got a buddy that prays, it is him. This guy is an, uh, is an awesome prayer warrior. Anyways, he was covered. Now, let me give you one. I just think this is fun, and I'll be done. Okay? A few years ago, we were sitting in the office. It was me, Pastor Brian's son, Josiah, and a few other guys that you hopefully meet, Cam and Josh, for chilling. And Josiah comes in, and he hands, us a, he hands us a piece of paper that's a report from missionaries that we support as a church uh, down in North Carolina. And I'm reading this report, and it says this. It says that, Basically, some guys that got saved that became their village pastors were there, and they were preaching in the village at their little church. You know, there it's you know, open, no walls, you know, and they're just in there preaching the gospel. There, there was a few guys that got irate that they were preaching the gospel, and they decided they were going to go kill the pastor in front of the congregation to basically prove a point, to put fear in everybody's heart, so kind of squash the whole Jesus thing. Well, these two guys come rolling in with their, I can't remember what they had, some kind of like odd shaped weapons, right? Anyway, so they came in to bring the noise. And when the guy comes from the right and begins to step towards the pastor, watch this. This is just cool to me. Uh, the report said this. Zach wording. It said, his eyeball blew up like an egg. <laughs> Covering. Are you with me? Listen, I'm, listen, all these stories I'm telling you, it's not like I heard I heard from so-and-so. So it's like you were one away from knowing these people or knowing the people. Are you following me? So literally, God protected the guy, and, and obviously it scared the other guy so much they ran off. I guess I'd run off too if my eyeball blew up, right? Yeah. If I could see, oh, anyways, whatever. Anyways, let's stand to our feet. Thanks for hanging out today. Let me talk a whole lot. Listen, today really the goal is simply this, is to remind you, man, that you're covered by God. And he's a big God. He knows how to protect you. knows how to walk with you. Those seven things that we talked about, God wants to be that and do that for every one of us. Amen? Amen. Are, are you guys okay? Amen. So let me just pray for you, and we'll be done for today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you today, God, just for the covering that you've given us through your Son. Father, we thank you that, Lord, that we are covered by your blood. God, thank you that you've even protected us, 
even when we didn't even know that we needed to be protected. Thank you for even protecting us from ourselves in so many situations. And Lord, we just thank you today that you're a good dad, that you do want to father us, that you want to cover us. And uh, Father, today we just give you access. Um, Lord, let me maybe say it this way. God, we accept the invitation to come and live under that covering. And God, we give you full permission to be Papa, to be Daddy, to be Father, to be Abba. God, in our lives, Lord, we give you access to do every one of those things. Uh, God, we don't want to be people that do it our way and live independent of the covering. God, we want, to, we want to get under the covering. We want to do it your way. And, Father, we thank you that when we do it your way, God, you show up really strong and really mighty. And so, Father, today, just thank you for whatever needs to be shifted in our hearts. Um, God, if it's just needing greater revelation of who you want to be to us, Lord, if it's something that maybe we are uh, doing that we need to shift, Lord, let us shift it so we can do it your way. And so, Father, today, I just bless your people. Father, once again, we thank you, God, for the covering that we all live under. God, thank you as a church we dwell under that covering. And, uh, Lord, just thank you for your blessings and your touch and your hand and your favor, God, upon our lives. And so, Lord, we just adore you and we love you. God, we just ask, God, that you would draw us to deeper levels of your heart. God, that you would draw us to deeper levels of intimacy with you. Father, we bless you today and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for coming today. Have fun uh, shooting fireworks and eating hot dogs. Amen. <laughs>